Randy Soma is a former Johnson Controls executive who has strong opinions on corporate America. That's why he wrote a book detailing the failures of boards of directors and management. On today's show, he argues that executives are paid too much to make bad decisions. And now, here's your host, John McElroy. I want to thank you all for joining us on AutoLine this week. We've got a great topic to dive into. Number one, is corporate America too focused on short-term results? Number two, are board of directors really incentivizing their executives properly? And number three, are executives paid too much? We've got somebody who's written a book, very interesting one, all about leadership. He writes that a little bit differently, but he really gets the point across. And I'm talking about a former executive in the automotive industry, Randy Soma. Randy, it is great to have you on the show today. Thank you. Appreciate being here. Also joining me for the journalist panel are Drew Winter from Wards Auto and Gary Vasilash with Automotive Design and Production Magazine. Great Thanks, to have man. the both of you here, too. So, Randy, let's dive into it. Your, your book gets into your experience in the automotive industry. You have served on a lot of boards of directors, both for corporations and philanthropic and non-commercial boards. You've seen a lot. And uh, seems to me like some of the fundamental problems in corporate America today is too much of a focus on the short term. Is, is that right? Well, it is. Uh, it, I think it's, uh, it's probably maybe even... Uh, you know, the me and now generation type thing, it's crept into the, the corporate America uh, DNA. Um, but uh, what, uh, what I really saw in all of, in all of the board uh, venues that I sat in, which was really the reason that I got nervous in, in, uh, about the whole situation being very systemic, in my opinion, is I was seeing uh, very similar, regardless of whether it was an automotive board or not an automotive board, if it was nonprofit, whatever, there were a couple components that were very consistent. One is they were, they were saying one thing in terms of what their charter was and what their obligations were, and there was a completely different agenda in, in the room. And uh, the second thing I saw was the minute that a board member pointed out that uh, misalignment of what you are supposed to be doing versus what you actually are doing, that that board member ended up with a shiny plaque. Meaning they were invited to leave the board. They were invited to, to leave the board. Getting back to what you said about the short term, when, when I believe, uh, in my opinion, somewhere along the way, what tipped us is when all that mattered was results. That's all that mattered, and worse short-term results. That kicked the door wide open to the ability to leaders to kick the can, to just bump it down the road and not deal with it and, and do the hard thing to, that you needed to do to correct it at the, at the root cause. And, and because it was much more expensive to fix it now, which took, pulled away from your earnings and your bonus than it was to just boot it down the road. Randy, a lot of consultants are very theoretical, but you had practical experience running one of the leading tier one suppliers in the U.S., and you had to deal with executives at all of the major auto companies. Tell us a little bit about the experience of what you, what you learned firsthand having to run a business and living up to your principles. Uh, relative to interacting with the auto companies? And, I mean, so what you learned rather than, you know, yeah. writing a book and saying things like, 
you know, Drew or I could do that, and it probably wouldn't mean a whole lot. Yeah. But you, um, you lived it. Yeah. Well, well, what we, we I did learn, I, I, it was a reinforcement of the short term versus the long term. Um, in the case of working with the automotive, GM, Ford, and Chrysler in particular, back in those days, is a lot of decisions were made three years in advance of the launch of a vehicle that were the center of gravity was get it cheap. You know, the cheap, the cheap, there wasn't a value proposition. Low bid, low bid, low bid. Sometimes I thought if we quoted zero, they'd give us the order. Uh, and, but what they didn't understand is the net net component of it, which the Japanese did understand. Now, to do the net net versus the what, net. What do you mean net net? Net net is if I'm going to save money down here by, by getting a, the cheaper component, I am going to spend that and then some three to five years from now on warranties, recalls, the reputation then your vehicle has in market, which means I need to discount it more and more and more. And so this is the decision here. The ripple effect is the net-net. That was never taken into account. It was, it was here, this decision made here. So. Um, that's when, again, um, it, it, it became very clear to me that really all that mattered was here. And as, as I said before, when I would go to the supplier advisory council meetings at one of the three companies, I would go to the person that was uh, uh, at, the, at Chrysler, GM, or Ford, whose bonus, whose performance review was based on J.D. Power scores, consumer research reports, market share, and so on. And I would say to that person, you're in deep trouble because three years down the road here, the purchasing department's getting bonuses based on buying cheap parts. So they are, it was just this disconnect of short-term, long-term. One of the things that really stuck out for me in your book was when you talked about stock buybacks. I did a story a while ago about like the biggest screw-ups and boondoggles the automotive industry did in the past 30 years. I talked to a um, seasoned analyst, Marianne Keller, and right away, you know, I, was, I had all these other ideas, and she said stock buybacks have been the biggest screw-up the auto industry has ever done. And she mentioned some huge number uh, in, in the billions and billions of dollars and said, and lots of times it didn't even raise the stock price, but imagine what they would have done if they had taken, instead of buying their own stock back, if they had invested all these billions into new technology or new plants or whatever. And so, I mean, you talk a lot about that. And I didn't realize why they'd keep doing such a thing, but you explain it pretty clearly, right? Well, yeah. And again, I, um, uh, the number that, you know, I was, I was on a number of boards. I wasn't on hundreds of boards, but enough to see a lot of consistency. And what I never saw was uh, a company doing a legitimate strategic plan. Um, and legitimate meaning you just don't, if you do a strategic plan that I think is legit, first of all, it's actionable and measurable. It's just not something you write, present it to the board, check a box, throw it in a drawer. You, you, you lay out what your vision is five years from now. It's a typical horizon. Too much further than that, it's too abstract. Too close, it's a tactical plan. You need transformational change. So now you lay that out and you create that vision. How much better are we going to be in what ways five years from now? And then you build an action plan that takes you from here to there. Now, that is going to be hard work 
because I am now going to be changing the fan belt on the engine while it's running. I don't, it's not like a mall store where you shut it down and say, coming soon, this new and improved. You've got to run what you've got, and at the same time. Okay, now, but here's the thing. I've got to make investments in people and other re money and other resources today to get the return on inve that investment when we hit that aspiration five years from now. Well, my bonus was 100% based on today's numbers. What incentivizes me to go invest here and the return being here when I'm probably already going to be gone? Should bonuses be eliminated? Yes. That's a powerful statement. Yes. Get rid of bonuses. Yes. Is it, should bonuses be eliminated or should bonuses be for trying to incentivize the right behavior? Uh, I, I, you know, as I wrote in the book, the story about the, the, the uh, bonuses are very complicated. And, and am I, and it, first of all, the numbers are so big. They're so big. It tempts even the most virtuous of us, right? The, the money's out of control. It's nuts. Um, and it, and they, well, people will say, well, that's the market. That's the market. Well, we've blown through the market. We're now into insanity. We're now into a place where people are willing to do a lot of things they would never, ever do. And, and you're saying because executive pay is it's so big. It's through the roof. It's through the roof. Uh, who in the heck? The only people that deserve the amount of money that CEOs are making are people that are in combat or first responders, people whose lives are at stake protecting us. They, they might deserve $10 million a year. Not somebody uh, who, uh, you know, by laying off people, increases the earnings and gets a $10 million bonus. I mean, really? Um, but, uh, you know, but again, the, the look at, to your point, yes, you should be making the investments in the future. But when I watched, I had one CEO say to me, I said, where's the strategic plan? Where's the strategic plan? Where? He said, well, you know, we're opportunistic. We're, you know, we're, we're, when we see something that comes along, we want to be ready to seize it and, and leverage it. I said, so in other words, you're getting paid a lot of money as a CEO to be in the right place at the right time when something falls in your lap. <laughs> I mean, just how much is that worth? But, but what you see, though, for all the different reasons that they have, anything that has to do with a return out here, than happening. And you know, I don't even blame the people that much because when you look at the way their bonus is calculated, nobody is A, getting paid a bonus for what didn't happen. So being preventing problems isn't high on the list. They'll pay you a lot of money to fix it. And secondly, uh, because Wall Street is only measuring you on this quarter and this year and not what are you also investing in your five-year vision plan? Everything is pulling it in short term. I mean, it's all in there, the whole system. Well, yeah, when you what, talk about so many uh, contracts now are structured with CEOs that they really don't, it, they don't really need to care whether they produce results or not, right? They get, uh, they finish up, they have all these incentive packages built in that have nothing to do well, with performance or... They're human beings. You know, they're human beings. I mean, uh, you know, if you get... Um, uh, a CEO you hire. Now, I've been on boards looking to hire a CEO, and you, you, the, the salary is one thing. But now you've got to pay maybe $30, $40 million to buy them out of their other contract because they've got unvested stock, and, and, and you've, got to, you've got to buy that out. So now you've got $30, $40 million up front. 
they don't even know where the men's or ladies' room is yet. And, and now it's a human being. What incentive? If they don't have integrity or character or honor or dignity, what incentive do they have to work really, really hard to make that company great? When their worst case, and by the way, they probably have a golden parachute in addition to the 30, 40 up front that, oh, by the way, if you mess up and we fire you, here's what you get on the way out the door. And the boards will say, well, that's the market. And I say, well, where is the incentive for this person to really do well? There's no consequences if they don't. Randy, Other than the people that work there. One of the powerful uh, things that came out of the book, for me at least, was you really believe in corporate culture and that culture can really change things. You got a good culture, all the results will fall into Absolutely. place. But what I found fascinating is one of the ways that you went about building the proper culture when you were at JCI was listing the things you would not do at management. Tell us a little bit about your thinking in that. Well, um, yeah, that was a, that was a seminal moment, uh, and I really don't even know exactly how it, it, it popped, but it did. Uh, me and our team sat down one day and said, "Look, we we've been too um, we've been too uh, safe in picking our aspirations of just how good we could be. Uh, let, let's stretch that. Let, let's let's give ourselves some more stretch. That stretch required us to make some." fundamental transformational changes in how we did business. It wasn't, we had to move into a different box to be able to get to that level. And when we sat down at an offsite meeting and you know, I got up on a whiteboard and typically what would you say is, okay, what will we do to make that happen? We as a team, not just me, said, what won't we do? What won't we do to make that happen? And however that came up, it came up. And what the list was were things that typically happened. You know, lay off people. So you said, we're not going to lay off people. We're not laying off yeah. people to, to generate more income. We're not going to uh, pirate money from our investments in the future. We're not going to pirate money from the training and development of our people. And, and, and we are not going to pirate the resources necessary for them to do what we've asked them to do. And it was the whole list of what you typically would see on a short-term fire drill to get the numbers to work so you could hit your quarterly earnings, right? But what it did, though, all it really did was said, we're going to follow our values. Integrity, top of everybody's list, our people, our, our suppliers and our partners, uh, innovation, um, vision, our community, all these things that uh, we said we're going to be successful working through them and not around them. But, but how did you make that stick? I'm sure that if we were to talk to any executive at any company, whether yeah. it's automotive or consumer goods or whatever, they'd say we have honor, we have integrity, we believe in our people, blah, 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 blah. And they're doing none of that. You had to do it and make it work. How did you do that? Well, um, uh, well, not just me. Um, I, I was blessed to have a, a group of people that um, I didn't have to really talk anybody into that. Um, uh, you know, it, it, as I've said a few other times in other places, I'm a, I'm a 2.7 GPA from a university in Pittsburgh that most people never heard of. So I'm not going to think it 
I'm not going to outwit it. Here's, here's my responsibilities. Here's my obligations. Here's our values. Not just what we will do, but what we won't do. And we just went and did that. Now, to your point, we would laughingly almost have a, like a sergeant at arms in our meetings because there were times. Because you're in the automotive business, it's difficult to keep up with the automakers um, um, you know, using you as ATM machines sometimes. And, 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 but you have to hit your numbers, right? So, so as you're underwriting them and some of their issues, you also have shareholders that you have to uh, 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 you know, uh, satisfy. And so we would be in meetings, and there would be times when, you know, we would be, oh, are we really going to make it? I mean, it looks kind of rough. And, and I, kiddingly, I always look and see, over here on the left side are the now people, manufacturing, engineering, accounting, um, and so on, right? And over here are the future people, right? Um, innovation, new product development, marketing, sales, training and development of the workforce. All this stuff is, is future, the center of gravity is for the future. Over here hits the numbers right now. And I could see, I could see the, left, the left-brainers, they're looking at the marketing and innovation and new product development people like wounded rabbits and say, <laughs> Randy, this meeting can be over in 15 seconds, right? Take 10 million out of that budget, take 10 million out of that budget, take 10, and drop it into the bottom line, we're done. And I would always say, that's my budget. That's my budget. And here's the thing, and I know this sounds a little hokey, but this is the thing. Every single time we firewalled the path of least resistant, we found the right answer. Why? Because we now had to. When that path of least resistant door is open, you don't have to find the right answer. It's, it's there for you. And the meeting is short. <laughs> but that means people will probably lose their jobs. That means you're, not, you're, gonna, you're gonna pirate your future to drop it into the near-term bottom line. You're gonna do all these things that are so um, dangerous to the future of the company, and, and at the very least, the, you say integrity is your number one value? Well, your own website, BS. I mean, let's start right there. And so we, it wasn't easy. It was not easy. But what we found, though, it got easier as people, when in the third year of our independent survey, in year one, they said they trusted leadership 61% of the time. And, and this is a survey that you did in, uh, yeah. of yourself. Of, of, you, yeah. you brought somebody into the company and asked your own employees, how were we how doing? How are we doing? And but it, it was it, an independent one. It was right? an, you have to have an independent, right? If I'm walking down, the, we had 1,800 people in Plymouth. If I'm walking down the hallway and say, hey, John, you like working for me? <laughs> I mean, I wanted real answers. I really wanted real answers. And so when 30 uh, in the first of all the questions were asked, Living your values, that was the, are we living the values? Even the employees had a low rating on that because they could see that we're saying one thing, but we're getting to the numbers a completely different way, right? And some of them were, they were felt at risk because one of those ways was laying people off or at least cutting their pay or some way, shape or form. Um, and so, we, we, we worked at, and uh, in, 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 so that was 61% said, yes, we trust leadership in year one. And we ran it three years in a row because I told the team, 
I asked the team, look, we're not even doing this if we don't follow up on it. And I've seen since then companies that have done uh, independent, they call them now employee engagement surveys, you really are trying to see how do people feel about working there. And what you almost always see, yeah, we did it. Uh, did you follow up on it? Nope. Then follow, you know, you ask employees, well, yeah, they asked us, we did a survey. Well, what did they change as a result of what they learned in a survey? Nothing. So it was an exercise, a box checking exercise. So I said, we are going to follow up on it. In year three, when they asked the same question, do you trust and believe in your leadership? 81% said yes. Now, we don't have time here today. We worked at getting it from 60 to 81. But look at where the numbers went. Look at where everything went. Awards from customers and so on. You're saying by doing all this, doing the right thing, saying what you're not going to do, you hit all your financial integrity numbers. Integrity has values. It's not a, it's, it, integrity is not a, a compliance thing. It's not, a, it's not a, a, a speed limit. It isn't hit it or negative consequences. There's value in honoring your duties and demonstrating to people that you are going to walk the talk. You know, one of the things that we, one of the things I learned through this survey, by the way, which really made me ill, was that uh, they, they, one of the questions was, do you uh, clearly understand what your management expects of you? And most of the people said yes. And over here was, is management giving you the resources necessary to meet their expectations of you? And the score was very low. Now, here's how that happens. I'm, we're, you know, in normal course of business, you're sitting in one meeting and you're saying, well, we got to do better, we got to up our ante, we got to set higher projections and goals and so on, and you set all of that, which says, said, says to your people, we're going to expect more of you. Now we're in another meeting talking about how to reduce our costs, and we're going to have, you know, we're not going to update our computers, we're not going to... So in other words, when you bring them together, and that's done innocently if you're not paying attention to the culture, and because they're in two separate meetings, on, maybe in two separate months, and now I'm looking and say, wait a minute, how irresponsible can you be as a leader when you say, I want you to do this, and this is how I'm going to measure you, and then over here I tie your hands behind your back. And then what's going to be the answer when all that hits? I'm going to leave people off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it just it's, it sounds like a great system. And, you know, I think everybody would like to, you know, like to work for you. But I just when I read some of your stuff, I kept thinking this would only work in a privately held company because there is so much pressure from Wall Street every quarter for results. And lots of time, Wall, Wall Street doesn't want you to be nice to your employees. They want you to lay people off. They want you, you know. Uh, so, I guess, how do you, this sounds great, but in today's environment, particularly if you're a publicly held company, how can you withstand that pressure? Well, we, we did. Yeah. Um, uh, and here's the thing. Here's the biggest joke of all. It isn't that you follow your values and you, and you stick to what your obligations are. It, it, it's your obligation. You take your obligations seriously. And, then, and part of doing that is you follow your values. It's not do that and go chapter 11. They are not mutually, ex- being, doing that and being great in terms of the conventional metrics are not mutually exclusive. 
that's why I put the few charts in the books I showed you. When 81% said, yeah, we believe in a trust leadership, our earnings and stock price went through the roof. So Wall Street was giddy. And guess who else was giddy? Our people and me. <laughs> I mean, it's a true win across the board. What I found, though, um, after I left JCI was that wasn't, and I thought this was going to be great because I could help other companies with this. We kind of found the secret sauce, right? I mean, you know, I, we actually followed through on being true to our values, embodying our values, and so on and so forth. And, and, when, and there was a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. We got there. I can show you how to do it. Nobody wanted to. Nobody wanted to know. But it, you said in your book that you, you talk to a lot of companies and tell them what they can do, but it involves risk, time, and I quote, a lot of hard work, at which point they just say. Because kicking the can is way easier. And nobody's, and here's the thing, nobody is stopping you from doing that. You know, I, I, when somebody talks to me about a CEO that isn't, in some way, shape, or form behaving properly? My answer is, where's the board? You know, I, I, I kid around, I said, you know, if a, if a little kid is running around and really, you're, you know, with your spouse or your friends or in a nice restaurant having a good time and some 10-year-old's running around making noise, you don't yell at the 10-year-old and look around for the parents, right? Well, guess where the parents are now? They're running around with the kid. Who do you look for now? And again, being on the board my concern is that the board is in the team picture. And so now who do you, you know, because if you hear that the CEO is off kilter, they're not, they're not doing it the right way, as I try to do, you try to pull them in and get them right. But most of the time when you do that, you get the shiny plaque and you get asked and they get, throw you a luncheon. Yeah, look, uh, we're, we're down to the end of the show here. It's been a very interesting conversation, to say the least. Uh, I want to tell all of you out there, Randy Somas uh, is the author, uh, Leadership is the book. I highly recommend it, even if you just go and read the last chapter, but I think you'll get sucked into the whole book. If you believe in the power of leadership, and I do, I think this is going to change your approach as a leader. But Randy Soma, thanks so much for coming on the show today. That, much I appreciated. Appreciate Drew Winter, it. Gary Vasilash, great having you guys here on board as well. And of course, I always want to thank you for having tuned in.